Well, good morning, everyone. We hope you had a great New Year's as we get into this new year and everything. We had a, a lot of fun. We were at home, Texas, visiting mom. I'll tell you more about that uh, later. But uh, let's, let's get into the word this morning. We are back in Joshua 10. So uh, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for protecting us over the Christmas break. We, th- we thank you for protecting uh, our church body and those around here. We pray that you uh, continue to watch over us and watch out for us as we go into this new year. You have plans for us that we have no clue about because we had no clue all of last year what was going to happen, Lord. And, and we pray that uh, we have joy that comes from deep within us, that peace that comes within us as we go into this new year because we know that you are being faithful toward us. In your loving name, Jesus, amen. So I, I, I would believe that many of you would feel like this past year has been a battle. Before Christmas, we talked about how Joshua came to the, to the rescue um, to a people that he made a deal with. And, the, and when he didn't even realize it, uh, that God had already had a plan to help uh, to help, and all you needed to do was ask, and, and, and that's what we're really dealing with when it comes to Joshua, is, is seeing how God relates to Joshua and how God relates to us. And here, this group of people that he made a deal with asked for help, and God was already planning it. Well, the children of Israel have been fighting battles. In fact, they've been around the land for about seven years at this point. And you would think that he would give them a time of, of rest you would think that he would, would, you know, just say, hey, relax, guys. And he will. In fact, we'll get to that next week in the middle of chapter 10, or I mean, in, in chapter 11. But in the middle of chapter 10 last week, Joshua had allied with the, the Gibeonites. Joshua was about 25 miles away, you know, at a camp in Gilgal. And a, and a runner shows up all out of breath. And, and for some of us, we can really relate to that. All of a sudden, we recognize who God is and, and accept him, and things are going well. Disaster is averted. But all of a sudden, uh, there are those who, who are related to us, surround us, and attack us. And this is what the Gibeonites are going through. All the you know, extended relatives are going to fight against them. And our reaction should be just like the Gibeonites. Help! Help! I need help! That's what our reaction should be. And when someone needs us, as Christians, we come. As representatives of God, we come. And this group traveled all night after a long day of work. And instead of resting before they attacked, you know, uh, they didn't get that. You know, Joshua, which, is a, uh, which at this point is a great picture of our Savior, Jesus. Because Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus leads them in the surprise attack, and they pursue them. So on the first shift of the day, they work all day. Then they work the graveyard shift by walking all night. And then on the third shift, when, they, when they're tired, they have to fight, but they get to fight alongside the Lord. And they defeated not one army, not two armies, not three armies. Get my hand to do it right. Not four armies, five armies all at once. This is actually a greater victory than Jericho happened seven weeks prior to this. Their father, Joseph, made a great statement back in Genesis to his brothers that we love. He said, do not worry about the enemy. Because what the enemy intended for evil, the Lord has what? Turned for good. 
Those are good words, aren't they? Here these kings were not thinking about uh, Israel just yet. And God had Joshua go on the offensive. And this is good. It is good for us to go on the offensive every once in a while. But only after God tells us to go on the offensive. The Lord did this. And Joshua was very clear on this. The Lord defeated them. The Lord defeated them. Joshua goes on and says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He keeps saying the Lord. Now their bodies felt like they were the ones, you know, doing it and, and going through all this. And no doubt there were some flesh wounds in the middle of all this. But in the course of the battle, they defeated five kings and not only took their cities, but also the smaller cities and those that depended on these five armies, all these cities around there, all of a sudden Israel had taken possession of half the land of modern-day Israel. And it happens so fast. And now as they mature, the Lord is taking them into more complex situations. And you would think the battles would get simpler, right? And the voice of experience, you know, you and I, we would say, no, 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 no. You would think that as we matured, the enemy would not be so willing to fight us that they would not ally against us. We think, man, I know how to do Jericho. I know how to fight that kind of battle. I know how to do I. I can fight that kind of battle. You know, what more can come up against me? And then all of a sudden, like a bad nightmare arrives in the middle of the night, and we are speechless. We're like, f f f what do you mean five armies? No, this can't be. And all of them more powerful than I. But the Lord has, has Israel a place of maturity when they're following their leader named Joshua, when he says go, they go. And when he says attack, they attack. You notice this thing about Joshua. He never fights defensive battles. Where's the battle where, where Joshua fights on his own turf? Where's the battle where he has home field advantage? Where's the battle that he doesn't have to travel for miles to get to? <clears throat> the Lord has never, you know, had Joshua digging in and fortifying. As long as he is fighting battles, he has him going out and fighting them. God may have you fighting some battles. And if you're like me, you're thinking about this, you know, the next battle, you're thinking, man, I'd love to just build some walls, kind of calm down, stay at home. But the Lord may have you keep fighting. Because there are bigger victories beyond this one. That, that, you know, and we're like, don't tell me that, Lord. I don't want to know about that. I don't even know about those type of battles because I can't handle that next battle. And I could say, well, yeah, I could lie to you. Things are going to be hunky-dory. Your life will be incredibly easy from now on because you follow God. There. Now you can come back next week, right? Well, I can tell you it's going to be tough. This claiming the promise is, is such a paradox because in the middle of being blessed by God, we find ourselves fighting some of the most complex battles of our lives. And, and some of the most evil kings out there will come up against us. It reminds me of Ephesians 6, 12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We do not focus on the devil. 
We do not praise the devil. We do not speak to the devil. And if, you know, and if we, we did, he would not hear us because he is only an angel. He is not everywhere all at once. He is not the opposite of God. And we need to remember that. But we know that there are spiritual forces out there against us. And we know that, that we are not always supposed to fight defensively. Sometimes we need to fight offensively. So we apply this to our lives. We see Joshua. What is he doing? He's basically walking and living day by day. He's walking in holiness one step at a time. Not without sin. We all sin. We all messed up. But he was following God and he's doing what the Lord called him to do. And this is very important. He's not avoiding God by feelings of inadequacy. You know, that's the number one reason why people uh, do not lead. They feel inadequate. They either feel like they're, they're too sinful or not gifted enough to lead uh, someone else. And, and that is where the enemy, enemy comes in and lies to us. The enemy says to us, God did not call you. Why would he use you? You have this going on and this going on. Look at how hard you're struggling. There's a real way God wants you, you know, in that ministry or dealing with those people or, or out there, you know, talking about me or talking about God to this world. There's no way God wants you to do that. But really, it's just the opposite. We're struggling because he did call us. We're struggling because he wants us out there. He wants us to lead us. He wants to lead us in these battles that we're going to. And then we win because he is there. Israel is one and one big at this point. The sun stood still, stood still for a whole day. And, and it was more than one miracle. He also gave them the strength to be able to battle after all that marching and working and, and so forth. I'm amazed at how often the Lord changes things up. One day, it is a miracle. The next day, he chooses not to do the miracle. And I do not when he's going to, and then I don't know when he's going to change his mind, which one it's going to be. And he does this for a reason, to keep us off balance. Because when we're on balance, we trust in ourselves. When we're off balance, we start to trust in him. So the five kings deserted their armies in the middle of the battle. Imagine that. It goes on and says in verse 16, Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave of Makeda. And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cage, cave of Makeda, uh, you know, it's kind of like the games of sardines. I don't know if you ever played this as a kid where, where one person would have to stay and everybody else would go hide. And, and then when... Uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. One person would go hide and everybody else would wait and then they would all search for that one person in different, you know, different groups and when they found that person, they had to stay with that person. So at the very end, you had a whole huge group of people hiding in a small space usually. It's kind of like, okay, it's one of those things we did at a youth group and all that. A can of sardines and that's what they were playing. All five kings hiding in the cave. He said to them, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. But do not stop. Pursue your enemies. In other words, go after their forces. Attack them from the rear and do not let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. Now I have to stop there. Probably won't finish the whole story today. But, but that's okay. But what does this remind you of? 
a cave, a king, a large stone? Are you getting that? Are you there yet? How about guards? How about the name Joshua? Yeshua? Jesus? You know, it's amazing to me how much of this book foretells a story of Christ in the New Testament. In certain ways, not 100%, but still here, it is just amazing. Joshua, Yeshua is saying, you know, that these kings are not your savior. Follow me and I lead you to the savior. About 1,400 years before, Jesus comes along and says, follow me. I am your Savior. I will lead you to the Father. It's amazing to me. But these guys are here and they're doomed because these kings cannot get themselves out of this cave. In fact, in verse 20, it goes on and says, so Joshua and the Israelites destroyed, their, uh, destroyed them completely, almost to a man. But the few who were left reached their fortified cities. The whole army then returned safely to Joshua in the camp of Makeda, and no one uttered a word against the Israelites. Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmoth, Lachish, and Eglon. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders, who, were, who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they come forward and place their, ne- their feet on their necks. These kings know that they are toast. But this is the first time that Israel is going to do this. God has been out dealing with the, you know, the Israel, I mean, the enemies of the Israelites. And Joshua, you know, took care of it one other time. But, but the rest of the commanders, you see, in ancient warfare, most of the time the king would be paraded out and executed. And Israel had not done this. They were not supposed to act like the world. When we have a victory, we don't act like the world. When we have a defeat, we don't act like the world. And Joshua's not been doing that. Not like the Assyrians. Have you ever heard of the Assyrians and what they used to do? When they defeated a city, they didn't pile nice big rocks celebrating our God helped us do this and it's a monument for the occasion. No. They cut off the, the, the army's heads And they stacked them in a pyramid in front of the city. And they put the king's head on the very top of the pile. The leadership was beheaded. You knew who was in charge at this point. But Israel was different. He did not parade around like a, you know, like a, like a human king, a, a human conquering king would, would take all the credit. Look at what I've done. Look at how great I am. But Joshua let his commanders in on it this time, which is a great thing to do. Give credit where credit is due. We don't do that, you know, enough. The, the commanders are in the middle management, and they get the victory. A man, you know, of God called to leadership. The Lord wins the battle, and he leads it, uh, you know, from an earthly standpoint. When the battle is won, what does he do? He pushes forward those who are with him, and he steps back and says, You won, you won, you won, and you won. You guys go out there and take the credit. You guys are awesome. You know, Joshua does something very interesting here. Instead of speaking to the world, the kings, who does he speak to? His commanders. And what does he say? He says in verse 25, 
Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Joshua's copying his mentor. Who was Joshua's mentor? It was Moses before he died. And he says the same thing to, uh, you know, the same thing Moses said to him when Moses looked him in the eye and said, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. So my question is, who is your mentor? Who are you copying? And then who are you mentoring and discipling? Well, pastor, I'm not really sure I need a mentor anymore. But I'm not really think, you know, I, I'm not really sure, I'm not really ready to, to disciple anyone yet. You know, I've only been a Christian for 15 years. I'm not really ready. And I, I rebuke you for that kind of thinking. You, you are already discipling. You're just discipling in the wrong way. Our Jesus would come and have you put your foot on even a minor king that you've conquered. And he would say, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you're going to fight. This is not a corporate, you know, pep talk. He is saying the Lord will do this. Now, I know some of you are thinking, when I say enemy, who are you picturing? Okay, we'll picture them real quick. Now, you're, you're probably wrong because Joshua doesn't get to pick his enemies. We don't get to pick our enemies. We believe and we act like our enemies are those that are around us that maybe have wronged us and so forth, uh, you know, who, who maybe don't be believe in our style of ministry. And, you know, and I'm not talking about those, those crazy non-Bible-style churches. I'm talking about those who are seated near us and we think they are the enemy. They've made us mad in the church for one reason or the other, and we think they're the enemy. Or even those who have maybe left the church, or those, uh, or maybe even those that, that have left a church, and you think that church is now the enemy. And when we get to Kevin, we're going we're gonna to probably see them and say, what are you doing here? And they're going to look at us and say the same thing. What are you doing here? See, our enemies are things like pride and self and ego, or jealousy. Two-year-olds freely admit this problem. They have a word that starts with the letter M. Do you know what that one is? Mine. Mine, 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 mine. You come into a room... They come into a room, they own the room. Everything in the room is theirs. You try to take something out of the room, they're like, no, that's mine. What is sad is when a 42-year-old comes in a room, or they're in the mall, or they're in the you know, car lot, and they're like, mine, mine, mine. And all those things that we come, you know, come at us on our home turf. And, and we have to hit this stuff in the head. We have to go on the attack. We got to get to it before it, it gets on our home, home turf because once it's in our hands, it's like the dad who gives a cookie to a child. Mom doesn't know that, the, you know, you gave the, the cookie to him and the kid walks out with the cookie and the mom's like hollering at them going, well, no, come back here. Give us, you're not supposed to be eating that cookie. And the kid starts to cry. We're the same way. This is mine, Lord. This is mine. 
And he's like, Alan, no, no, it's not. But I already have it in my hands. It's mine. These are huge battles that they're fighting. And Joshua's calling them to go on the offensive. Learn the names of the kings. In chapter 12, Joshua is going to name a whole bunch of kings. And you're going to say, well, there's not that much application there for us. And, and you're probably right. But for Joshua, the names represent all the battles that he has to fight. And when we get into chapter 12, uh, 12 of our lives, I hope and pray that you can name your enemies. Stuff like pride. It was the king of me formerly. Or lust. It's no longer the king of me. Or envy. It was the king of me and I could put a date right next to, to that, uh, uh, that time. Adulterous thoughts. I conquered that in the year, you know, January 2021. And we pray, Jesus, put these things under my feet. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a victory over materialism or over idolatry? Wouldn't it be great if, if you could really serve the Lord like that mentor that you really liked, that you grew up thinking, man, I, one day I'd love to be like them. I say keep going and let the words of Moses come out of your mouth, especially to those who are following you, who expect you to act more mature than you actually feel. God is calling you to something greater, far beyond, and he wants you to take the promise. God wants to bless you. We often forget about that. We think about sin way too often. Now, we need to think about sin because we need to go to before God and we need to ask God for forgiveness of that sin. And he does. But we also need to be thinking about the blessing that God is giving us. You know, why does God hold blessings back? Most of the time because I'm not willing to fight the battles. We should fight battles like, you know, like we're, we're all into it. Unfortunately, we fight each other sometimes. We're all walking around wounded. Man, where'd you get that wound? Why are you all bandaged up? Oh, well, that was from so-and-so sitting right over there in that, that row or that pew. Or that was so-and-so from the other church. And we're, we're battling each other instead of the world and the enemy that's out there. This person came and kicked me when I was down. We should be fighting side by side. Israel is so strong right here because they're all fighting on the same side. Later on, enemies will conquer them because they split. But right now, it's really cool. They're strong. Good for God's people to be strong, isn't it? Jesus is, is teaching something to his commanders and, and, and or Joshua is teaching something to his commanders, something uh, he is just learning himself. And this is really what leadership is all about. He's just a little further along in the process. Leadership is following Jesus, following a mentor and looking back to see who is following, you know, as you mentor, and then you look back and who is following me, and that person looks back and say, who is following me, and then being like Jesus as we go through the whole thing. And there you were bringing each other along. It's not like we've arrived and we know it all. True leadership really feels inadequate to lead all the time. But in honesty, we're further along sometimes. 
Or God would never call you to lead. So if you're a little further along than so-and-so, then you start to lead and allow them to follow you because one day they'll be in your shoes. Now, one reason why so many people hate joining churches is because we feel like we have to put that mask on. You know, that mask that we've been wearing all year and you can't tell if somebody's smiling or not? We put the church mask on. Have to be happy. Happy, you know. Hey, brother, how you doing? Boy, I'm so blessed. I'm just blessed to be here. Aren't you blessed today? And, and, and yes, and, you know, we're all just like, yeah. And in the back of our mind, we're like, but I don't really feel like it. And we're like, well, we need to change that attitude. And we encourage other people to wear a mask and just say, I'm so blessed. You know, I've been around churches uh, like that, and I don't stay around that long. We need to be true. I try to be the same person I am here as I am at home. I try to be the same person, you know, in the hospital when I go visit people as I am at home, as I am here. I try to be the same. I don't try to put a mask on. Building relationships is a great way to get that mask off. Once you're around, you know, the same people for a while, you start to to loosen up and you start to understand and you reveal more about yourself and you reveal more in your walk, you know, with the Lord, especially when you start loving, laughing, and playing together more. Now, some of us reveal way too much, way too quickly, and you just need to put a cork in it. You know what I'm saying? How do you know if that's you? Well, do you dominate every conversation you're in? You know, you've decided whatever group you're a part of, that they're just basically uh, nine therapists that, that meet just for you and, and so they can fix you. If that's you, then you need to lay off. You need to take that to the Lord instead of everyone else around you. You know, someone else is allowing that, but it really two possibilities. One, They've tried to tell you to calm down and, and be quiet, but you've just ignored them, so they've given up. Or two, they just don't want to talk themselves, so they just allow you to keep going. But we need to be careful with that. We need to be, build true relationships. And if we start taking off the mask, we start calling things what they are, not in other people's lives, that, that, is, that is the church way, but in our lives. You know, stuff like, Man, I, I've been really dealing with anger. There, I've said it. I revealed it. You finally know I've been dealing with anger. And the group goes, man, we're sure glad you finally figured that out. We've been watching it. And we're kind of confused when everybody knows you're dealing with anger because it's so obvious. Masks don't really work anyway. I'm not talking about COVID mask, okay? I'm talking about that church mask. We all know, we all know when someone is being fake. And we just can't stand it. I can't stand it when I, I come across somebody that's fake. And you're just like, oh, you can tell they're a salesman. They're like, hey. And you're just like, oh, great. And you just roll your eyes. We need to remember not to do this. Let's do battle together. Let's not battle one another. Together. And that means taking our mask off. Learning about each other. And then when God says, when we win a battle, put your foot on this, because God can defeat that, that envy, that pride, that lust, that adulterous thoughts. God can defeat all of that in our lives, and then he invites us to come put our foot on top of it, because God is fighting for us. 
You know, it kind of reminds me of the verse. I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that how it goes? Or how about, I can do seven things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that just means there's 33 other things through Christ who strengthens me that I cannot do. No. The scriptures say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can do all things and then it doesn't end there. It's through Christ. If you allow Joshua to lead, if you allow Jesus to lead, you will find yourself in battle with your foot on the neck of your enemy. Verse 26 goes on and says, And Joshua struck and killed the kings and hung them on five trees. And they were left hanging on the trees until evening. At sunset, Joshua gave the order and took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave which they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. That day, Joshua took Makeda. He put the city and its kings and sword and totally destroyed everything in it, or everyone in it. He left no survivors, and he did to the king of Makeda as he'd done to the king of Jericho. Now, the rest of this says that. It says this. Joshua conquered the king. He took all their cities. He killed all those that were living in there and, uh, and those who had not joined, uh, uh, not joined them and not joined the Israelites. And it seems harsh. We go, how can you kill all those people? But let's not forget that he gave these vile people 400 years to turn from their ways, 400 years to stop sacrificing babies to the god Molech, their, their god, 400 years to stop having temple prostitutes. 400 years to recognize the one true God. God gives so many chances to the enemy. Imagine that. He gives us chances. Imagine he gives it to the enemies too. So how many is he going to, you know, how many chances is he going to give us? He's like this for our enemies. How does he treat us? He gives us chance after chance after chance hoping that one of these times that we will turn back to him and he fights for us and he fights for us and he fights for us and he fights for us. One thing I've learned is the more we fight alongside God, the more we start to become like him. We start to mimic him. Did you know that Joshua's commander is starting to become more like Joshua? And we don't even know their names. Let us in. Starting at verse 40. Verse 40 says, So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. He totally destroyed all who breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza, from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. The whole chapter is about one thing and one thing only, not giving up. Because we're going to win the battle. We're going to. 
We're going to the promised land. We're going to get to heaven. Everyone will be telling stories and, and, and in between us worshiping God and, and, and getting to know all. The, I mean, we have a lifetime. We have eternity to get to know one another. Uh, get to know one another. It will not be the job promotion that we got. It will be what battles we've won that we're going to be talking about. The battle of raising a family. The battle of not having just a good marriage, but a great marriage. The battle about mentoring those that are younger than you. The battle about you introducing Christ to that friend, and now he is right beside you in heaven. What a glorious day that will be. They deserve a, you know, a battle medal for that. Why? Because I am, I am here because of them. That is what battles are all about. You know what would be a disaster? For us to get to heaven and say, I accepted Christ and then I hid until I died. What a sad thing that would be. I avoided all the battles that God had lined up for me that he was going to fight with me to be able to conquer these things. But I gave up. I accepted Christ, and I, and I get to heaven, but I have no crown of glory. This is not what we're called to do. We're called to fight the good fight, to apocaridokia, as Paul says, to stretch out at that finish line, to, to, to stick our necks out at that line, because guess what? We won't have a foot on our neck because we've won the battle because of what Jesus did on the cross. God wants to take you to Gilgal. He wants to give you the rest, but before the rest of the battle, you have to battle the rest of your lifetime. That the Lord is fighting along beside you each and every day. And we, you know, so, for some reason, we tend to forget about that. That God is fighting that battle with us. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for fighting so many battles for me. I pray that you give me the strength and the wisdom as I go through this life and the battles that I foresee coming up that, that I don't hide from them because I know that you're there with me. You're there to fight the battle with me. I pray that you, you bring those that will surround, and, and, uh, surround me and fight the battle with me as, as we go forward, the, those friendships, those mentorships, that I look to those who are more mature than me and, and, and I, I go their direction and I look behind for those that are less mature than me and I encourage them to, to come to my level because of what you've done and the great things that you have in this world for us before we go to the promised land. I thank you so much, Lord, for leaving your Holy Spirit in us so that we know that you fight the battle with us. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you in this new year, and may you begin to fight God's battles with God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You guys have a wonderful week.